You're listening to Trending with Timory, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. National speaker Timory Millington has been a passionate advocate for life as long as she can remember, helping Gen X through Z answer the call to true feminism and authentic manhood. Timory holds a master's degree in biblical theology, and she covers this week's hottest stories from a Catholic worldview. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Hey, hey, everyone. Thomas Schmier is in studio with me. He's a marriage and family therapist. In fact, the last episode together, we talked a lot about marriage, helping with preventative medicine for marriage, overcoming conflicts within marriage, great advice for date nights. We get into some of the uh, reintegrative therapies having to do with people who are experiencing same-sex attraction and the controversy and the difference between reparative reintegrative therapies and conversion therapy. So a lot there unpacked in the last show. Thomas is here again with me. We're going to dive into more of the single life and perpetual adolescence issues today. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to this. Now, can you share briefly a little bit about healing and peace with everyone who's listening and how they can get in contact with you and your work? Okay. Easiest way is to go to healingandpeace.com and you can check out my blog at healingandpeace.com slash blog. I post things that I think you would be interested in, uh, things that we all care about, our healing and regaining a sense of peace. I love how you synergistically bring together Catholic therapy, um, essentially therapy with Catholicism, right? The two come together to really show the importance that at the heart of who we are, we are free human beings, but so much of our wounds, so much of our bad habits can cause us to have this stymie essentially in terms of how we interact with each other in the world that is preventing peace and preventing healing from moving forward. I appreciate that. Yeah, I try to use the best evidence-based therapies and also the best faith-based therapies. And I want to help people experience deep emotional healing so that they can better live out their unique vocations to love, which takes us right into the adulting topic. Yes. And if you're listening, maybe you're touching on some of these issues and you might recognize, you know, maybe the idea of seeing a therapist might be something really helpful for me. I want to recommend a catholictherapist.com and of course, Thomas Schmier, who's in San Diego. But if you're in other parts of the country in the world, catholictherapist.com really helps you to find that synergistic approach to faith with therapy at the same time, or at least a respect for your faith. Right. So getting into this topic today, I'm so excited because later on we're going to be getting into topics such as how do you desexualize your unmet emotional needs? I know especially for women, we desire to be loved. And so sometimes we're willing to engage in sexual intimacy outside of marriage for men. You know, for men, it can be this outlet in other ways as well for sexual intimacy. We're going to be talking about toxic relationships. There's a question that came in from a girl by the name of Kaylee saying, what about when you're dealing with toxic relationships with your parents and how does that impact other areas? For now, I am really excited because this is my question to you, Thomas. I'm seeing this major trend having to do with quote unquote adulting or you adult when necessary. In fact, I just ran into someone the other day. They were 36 years old and they had just bought a house for the first time. Awesome accomplishment. Mm. They were talking about now the need to care for the house and maybe unpack is, yeah, I guess I have to do the adult thing now. Like it was dull and boring. And I'm thinking, wow, it's such a simple thing in life. Yet today's culture 
it really encourages this perpetual adolescence to the point that we only adult when we really have to, when we're forced into it. Maybe when someone dies, maybe when we are in dire financial circumstances, that's when we adult. Other than that, no, perpetual adolescence, having fun, pleasure, that's our aim. You nailed it. You nailed it. I think the adulting problem, in case people are wondering why we're being so hard about this, maybe they think we're being harsh. But what we're really talking about is when we say someone's not growing up, is that they're engaging in drunkenness. They're addictive. Uh, they're doing video game, uh, watching video games addictively. They're binge Netflix watching. They're, they have porn addictions. They have sec- excessive focus on hobbies like uh, and travel and adventure and they go clubbing or uh, they have an excessive emphasis on job satisfaction. So they're hopping from job type satisfaction. So they're hopping from job type to job type to job type without doing the adult thing, the boring thing, just (laughs) going to work and doing your job. And it's not boring. And I think that's something we need to touch on. But also diving into the same issue, the issue of people not wanting to get married, not wanting to commit, you know, Mm -hmm. to commit to a house is to tie me down, to commit to a relationship, even sometimes a friendship. We're going to be talking later on about how do I develop and maintain friendships to commit to a friendship could tie you down. You know, I was talking to someone mm-hmm. the other day. I invited them over. I said, you know, come on over this night. We'll do this. And it's like, well, there's all these other opportunities. I think mm-hmm. Gen Y, I, I'm a Gen Y, right, mm-hmm. is so guilty of this. We're always looking for the next opportunity that might be more pleasurable. That makes sense to me. I can understand fear of commitment. Having a relationship does mean a commitment. And um, signing up to be the lector at Mass means a commitment. Uh, mm. lots, lots of things mean commitment. Right. So what, from your perspective as a therapist, what do you see are kind of some of the keen insights into why people are not wanting to approach this natural development of the human person of taking on greater responsibility? And I'd also say allowing them to learn to love well. Mm-hmm. Well, well said. I see it as broken into two parts. One is a, a misunderstanding of the meaning of life and vocation, and the other one being a lack of affirmation. Mm, interesting. Dive into that little last one a little bit more. Okay. As far as the lack of affirmation, I've talked about it on past episodes with you, uh, but for those who didn't hear, I rely on the writings of Catholic psychiatrists, uh, Conrad Bars, that's B-A-A-R-S, and Anna Terua, that's T-E-R-R-U-W-E, and they wrote about affirmation and how really to become uh, an emotionally mature adult, we require the emotional strengthening of our significant others for at least the first 18 years of our life. And I think that's not happening. Significant others are doing parents. like Not, in just, that not just parents. Like parents, sibling, relatives, teachers. teachers. Okay. Yeah, it's more than just the parents. So if you grew up your whole life and maybe people kind of give you the treatment of like, you're bad, you're a naughty mm-hmm. kid. Well, you're not that smart. Don't worry about it. You know, oh, of course you did that. You're going to grow up being unaffirmed your entire life. And these are parenting things that I mean, we see across the board happening very often. And, and that's an extreme case. What we have are very well-intentioned. Uh, you can even have solid Catholic parents who believe in all the teaching of the church. They're trying to do the right thing. Um, but they weren't affirmed by their parents. Mm. Uh, and so then 
they don't have, they haven't received the gift of affirmation, so they don't have it to give to their children. So no matter what they do, they, they can't affirm their own children, even though they really tried. And there can be absence, emotional absence there. And there can be just... coldness, detachment, uh, self-centeredness. Or maybe over pushing them to achieve certain things and then not congratulating them or only being proud when they totally exceed and it's very light. Well, and, and so I'm glad you brought that up because affirmation, as Comrade Bars talks about it, isn't about saying good job and patting someone on the back. It's about who the person is, not what they do. We don't want someone to feel good because I do something. It's, I'm good because I'm simply good. And we don't want them just to think it, we want them to be able to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so the parents can that are not affirmed can say, you are good, I love you, and all that. But the kid does not feel loved because the parent themselves have not uh, received the emotional side of things. Now, this is fascinating because I actually really do recognize what you're saying is that this is behind this trend of perpetual adolescence and only adulting or doing the adult thing when necessary. By the way, for those who are just joining us, I'm Timory. You're listening to Trending with Timory. That is licensed marriage and family therapist, Thomas Schmier. Shout out to everyone who are listening on Modern Day Radio and Relevant Radio. Let us know where you're at, where you're listening from, what station. You can tweet me at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. And I'll be sure to tweet out to Healing and Peace, which is where Thomas Schmier is coming from as well. So I want to dive deeper into this. So lack of affirmation is leading to this trend where we've got 36-year-olds, younger and older, who are adulting when necessary. Right. And so the qualities of a fully affirmed or mostly affirmed person are sensitivity in a positive way, meaning you're in touch with the five senses uh, and you feel, you feel, you feel, you feel sad when someone's in pain, mm -hmm. for example. And an openness, open to everything that's good, the goodness of God's creation, open to receiving love. And, of course, you're giving love. Uh, leading a calm, unhurried way of life, which is very rare these days. And to be unselfish, humble, and to have moral self-restraint. Mm -hmm. And so when we're talking about people who are in perpetual adolescence, they haven't yet received enough affirmation to get to this level of having these five qualities. So there are two perspectives that we could touch on here. One could be the perspective of a parent, friend, family member who's noticing this in someone who's living a perpetual adolescence. The other perspective is maybe you're listening and recognizing, yeah, I, I recognize I'm struggling with some of this in a, a minor or extreme way. How does the person who sees this influence someone by affirming them in certain ways? Someone from the outside. Right. Someone yeah. from the outside influenced this. Usually it's best if it's if you are the same sex as the person, especially if you're the same age, okay. because romantic involvement can get a little strange. And confusing. Confusing. Yeah, because suddenly you're receiving affirmation. It's someone of the opposite sex right. who could be a person of interest. Yeah. They're going to suddenly fall in love with this affirmation. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So ideally someone of the opposite sex, I mean same sex, but also, it might be better if the person's older so, um, so that you receive that 
perhaps motherly love or fatherly love. Mm, but isn't this such a testament to the responsibility of the Christian community to give that affirmation, even if yeah. you don't recognize someone needs it, to affirm people for the good that they do? Well, and again, it's not the good that they do. It's, right it's I love you. I love you. Who you are. Who you are. Mm. It's not It's not for what you do. It's for who you are. That's an excellent correction. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank that's you. It's true. It's who you are. And that's sometimes the problem is sometimes they were affirmed for what they did, not who yeah. they were. Yep. And that's that's a problem. And what I'm worried about is people are going to run around trying to affirm people after listening to us. And the thing is, it, affirming isn't really something you do because it's, it's that's antithetical to, to affirmation. Affirmation is a way of being first. So it's about being authentic. And if you are affirmed, you're probably affirming. And yes, we are called to, if we're affirmed, to affirm others. But you can't run around trying to affirm everyone right. uh, because that's not necessarily helpful. What we need is really for if you have an affirmed couple, that they bring someone who's unaffirmed into their family Mm -hmm. and they treat them like their own son or daughter. You know, I have to say, this is something that my parents were always incredible at. Mm -hmm. There would be people who, whether it was friends of myself and my siblings or different people over the years that would come into our home, friends and family members. And my parents did an incredible job of that. Door was always open, but just so supportive of the person, even in the midst of possibly even the sin that they were living in. They saw the person always welcomed them into the home. And I can tell you for me, this is part of the reason why this conversation having to do with homosexuality is so frustrating because, you know, I hear people who can be so hateful. Well, so-and-so has a same-sex attraction. They're not allowed in our house. We have extended family members who my whole life have had same-sex attraction and have had partners, uh, lifelong mm -hmm. partners mm -hmm. in terms of my life that I've seen around. Mm -hmm. And there was always this love and affirmation of the person, right. even though there was an acknowledgement that we had a different faith and worldview. I, I love that. And that that's it. Because uh, let's say, for example, say you have a, a masculine guy who sees a man who's flamboyant and who's identified himself as gay, mm -hmm. and he's going to naturally feel a contempt and a disgust. I mean, it's just going to happen because he doesn't identify with that. He doesn't want to have anything to do with that kind of behavior. And he kind of probably wants to say man up. And that's, that's normal and natural. But he needs to go past that mm. and see the person and see the brokenness and see the woundedness and and really approach that person with open arms and and. A loving attitude. And we need to stop being afraid that, oh, just because I am affirming or having a good friendship with someone who experiences same-sex attraction, mm -hmm. you're degrading them to their same-sex attraction if you're afraid of what could come out of that That's or right. how other people will think about it. Exactly. And, and attraction is just attraction. Attraction is harmless. Right. It's know. not an action. It's not an action. Yeah. And yeah. when we are free, we can respond how we choose. Oh, well. you just went against the uh, LGBTQ <laughs> agenda because they think that attraction and action are equal. So, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, what I, did I was, you do? I was just dealing with something banned on YouTube that I said. Uh, 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 <laughs> we'll see what, uh, what next, next. Forget this episode. This, is, this show's going to be banned as yeah. well. We'll see what happens. Right. You know, and th this is a, totally a distraction, but this is what's <laughs> sad is that a lot of these conversations are being shut down. And for anyone listening, I really hope that you use trending as an opportunity to have that conversation. Allow the doors to be yeah. open. Same-sex attraction, abortion, contraception, gender ideology. We have them all here on trending. Yeah. And so I hope that you're able to share this with other people so that they can engage in these conversations as well. You believe in the battle of ideas and Amen. that people can have different opinions 
and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So I want to come back to this adulting issue just a little bit more here. Uh, just my thoughts on it as well. You know, people quote adult only when necessary today. You know, to see a 35-year-old doing this or even a 25-year-old is just so sad. But in reality, we're going against the Catholic tradition of maturity, it's both physical and spiritual maturity that takes place in the person. And, you know, I look at, for example, people such as St. Irenaeus, right, who was a disciple of Polycarp. And Polycarp would have been one of the young children who sat on Jesus' lap as he was giving his different teachings. It's so cool when you get into, like, saints travel in packs. Mm -hmm. You know, saints are friends of other saints. It's a good rem reminder for what kinds of friendships we have. Yeah. But Thomas, I was looking at this and there's this quote from St. Irenaeus and he says, the glory of God is man fully alive and the life of man is the vision of God. What is man fully alive? It's learning to love. And I was reading this in the Humanum review that came out recently that ultimately in becoming more mature and becoming an adult, you're learning to give yourself to another person rather than making yourself the center of every relationship you have. It's a, to begin to look out and to grow. And, you know, I think about virtue. What is virtue? St. Thomas Aquinas defines virtue, essentially looking at it as virtue is essentially acting in accord with your nature. So we are called to be gentle. We are called to be generous. We're called to be courageous. What are your thoughts there? You know, do you tie this in a lot in your work? Well, in my work, it's, it's my whole worldview. So <laughs> I can't help but see things this way. Right. And so... We get distracted where we don't focus on our Catholicism or Christianity. In the Catholic faith tradition, we have uh, the idea of vocation. What's the meaning of life? Love. And so what's our vocation? To love. Mm -hmm. And so usually we think of there's two vocations and then other. You know, we, mm -hmm. we say married or the religious life. Right. Uh, and, and then there's other. And, and other is fine, too. So if someone wants to dedicate their lives to being the best nurse they can be and they are going to forego marriage because they really want to love in that capacity, fine. It doesn't mean you only adult when you want to. Right. It means you're, you're giving your life for a charitable cause. You're still other orientated. And love still has to enter in, in a mature kind of love. That right. means that even if you're choosing to be that nurse, the relationships that you engage in can't be neglected. And I think that that's what's so hard is that there's people think freedom, you know, even freedom from marriage, freedom from whatever it might be. Freedom is to be away from something, freedom from something. But right. freedom is for something to love better. I love it. And a lot of people get they're drawn to marriage because they want to get something from the spouse. And, and so then they get into marriage for that reason. And then I think God has the great uh, sort of wonderful trick in quotes on us there. And we learn to give to the other person. Mm -hmm. And so even if we get into marriage for the wrong reasons, sometimes it can be redeemed and we learn how to give our life to the other person. Amen to that. Thomas Schmier's here in studio. You're listening to Trending with Timur. We've had tons of questions coming in, people knowing that you're coming in as a marriage and family therapist. Colleen asks, can a child's relationship with their parents affect their sexual identity? Can you give some scientific evidence uh, to really jump into this? And she specifically gives a little bit of qualification. For example, lack of male influence and attention. Right. And, and her wording was, 
is it simply not a loving father? And, you know, they're either not present or not a loving father. And I've seen this more than once, and it's disturbing to me that people are thinking that uh, the reparative therapy position is that it's not a loving father, because that's not the case. A distant father could mean emotionally distant, or it could be physically distant. And so it could be maybe the father does seasonal work. Maybe he's going fishing, uh, you know, for commercial fishing in Alaska for a few months during fishing season and bringing a lot of money home to the family. Or maybe he's in the military, so he's, he's gone on a tour of duty. So the father can be absent for lots of reasons physically. And all of, are you saying all of this can influence it can, sexual identity it can influence, or attraction? That's, that's right. You know, lack of fatherly... Uh, present. So that part's true. And then also emotionally distant, which can happen for a lot of reasons. Well-intentioned fathers. Maybe there's a constant crisis in the family. Maybe a sibling needs a lot of attention. So the one sibling doesn't kind of gets neglected a little bit. And that one develops same-sex attraction. There, there's We're not blaming the father. The father might have great intentions, but Something happens here. So we're saying this lack of abs, this absence, lack of attention can lead to same-sex attraction That's right. or gender dysphoria. All of yeah. this and it also influences this whole transgender identity as well. Right, and the, so the person's asking, "Is it scientific?" And so scientific, you know, well, to make something scientific, we have two kinds of studies. One is qualitative, and one is quantitative. Qualitative is more descriptive. It's usually like one case or several cases, and we go into great detail. And then the other one is uh, quantitative, and that's going to be large sample sizes, ideally, and there would be a lot of criteria you would want to meet for that. And it's hard to do a quantitative study to try to find out, you know, what was the attachment with the father for men who ended up identifying as gay, because even if you have a set of five questions you ask all of them, some of them are in denial. Right. I really would recommend for some fantastic research here, uh, Dr. Joseph Nicolosi's book, A Parent's Guide to Preventing Homosexuality, because mm-hmm. he has a lot of data in there. That's right. And, and actually, he also has, in addition to the scientific research data, the psychology, he also has a lot of testimonies, not just from his clients, but from different websites and people who have shared their stories. And a lot of the time it comes down to this absent father, different attraction issues uh, that are at the heart of this lack of affirmation that we're ultimately talking about, even in the whole adulting issue. So Colleen, I really want to recommend that book. And I mentioned in our last episode, Thomas and I were talking about this. This is now contraband on Amazon over the last couple of weeks, a parent's guide to preventing homosexuality by Dr. Joseph Nicolosi and all his books have been banned. And so you can look them up. They're on um, Barnes and Noble and other places still just no longer available uh, there on Amazon. I want to throw in one more book. Yes, please. So for for a qualitative study, Dr. Nicolosi's book, Healing Homosexuality, Case Stories of Reparative Therapy. So we have our case notes. We have the clients we see. We don't come up with a theory and then try to cram it down people's throats. We see hundreds of clients and we go, why are we seeing the same thing over and over again? There seems to be something here and we create a theory. You know, it's really interesting for me. So I have grown up, I have family members who have experienced same-sex attraction Mm -hmm. who have always been a part of our life, but I have also grown up in the dancing world. And so in the dance world, you've seen, I have seen a lot of experiences of people who who have same-sex attraction. 
And, you know, I think of the one story of a gentleman who I remember he was a kinesiologist. I was taking a class from him and randomly in a professional setting, he starts talking about, well, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I have problems, but my problems are, you know, I have daddy issues and I know I have daddy issues and that's why all of my problems exist. This is a man who is extremely flamboyant, lives a gay lifestyle outwardly. And it broke my heart because this is something I see so common in the men I have interacted with in the dance community. They will right away talk about their father difficulties. Yeah. And identifying yourself as gay is a defense against grieving the father wound. Mm. And then there's sometimes looking for that male affirmation. And I remember Dr. Nicolosi's book, he mentions one time where he's talking to a teenage boy and the teenage boy, he's asking him, when you think about having sex with someone of the same sex, what are you looking for? And he's looking for that affirmation of a male and that boy's mindset changed. He was so influenced going, wow, I'm not actually looking for the sex. I'm looking for male friendship, for male affirmation. We'll be right back with Thomas Schmier talking more about marriage and family therapy and answering your guys' questions. Timory will be right back. Send her a tweet at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where morality and culture meet, offering an eternal perspective on today's hottest topics. And we are back with licensed marriage and family therapist, Thomas Schmier. And we're answering this question about research behind uh, people who experience same-sex attraction uh, and having to do with the father's role on his lack of presence, lack of affirmation, physical presence, emotional presence, and how that can influence and lead to development of same-sex attraction. That's right. And uh, I wanted to give some quantitative evidence here that the therapy works or even faith-based programs work when you heal the father wound. Got it. Okay, so what we've seen, and if you've listened to Trending, we've talked about this with Michael Gasparro as well, mm-hmm. that when you treat sexual addictions, when you treat obsessive compulsive disorder, and when you treat um, sexual molestation and other things, sometimes in for people who experience same-sex attraction, the byproduct can often be that it dissipates or goes away. That's right. And so here, you know, along the lines of treating the father wound or grieving the father wound, what we have is a study of 882 men. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, I, I don't want people to trust anyone who's throwing out Statistics, studies and right? stats. So I'm going to give you the name of the study. The study is a client's perceptions of how reorientation therapy and self-help can promote changes in sexual orientation. And that's in psychological reports from 2008. The authors were Bird, Nicolosi, and Potts. I know that's boring radio, but I want to give it to you because I'm not making this stuff up. There is data out there, but... It's a great research, too. I've read some of the research on this one. And and research is going to be banned. I mean, they... Uh, it was one step away from being signed by the governor to to say therapists can no longer cite research that supports this kind of therapy. So let's get this message out there right now. So in this study, it was of 882 men, roughly 90% identified at least as more homosexual than heterosexual. And here's what they came up with. The majority reported they believed sexual reorientation therapy and various forms of self-help were helpful to them psychologically, spiritually, and sexually. So if you want to read the story, you can, you can read this article 
uh, it's a, in a scientific journal. It's peer-reviewed. You can download it, read it for yourself, and, and see if you think it's credible. So they're saying psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, this was very helpful mm-hmm. for these therapies that they experienced. Yeah. And there is a lot of research actually out there that we can dive into. But mm-hmm. again, we've recommended some really great resources. I hope you go back. You can listen at radiotrending.com to re-listen and pull up some of those resources. And we'll throw a couple into the show notes as well. But we have one more piece of research that we want to mention as well. Yeah, there's a book from... Neil and Briar Whitehead, uh, if you really want to know about this uh, father, basically, is it genetic or not? Is homosexuality genetic or not? And it's called My Genes Made Me Do It. And so that's the name of the book. Check it out. It's highly scientific. It's into a scientific way of thinking. And it's excellent research. I've been looking at some of it recently. And, you know, when people try to make this born gay theory, this really debunks that born gay theory. And here's at the heart of why. If we think about it from a Catholic perspective, human anthropology, we are free agents. You might, let's say there was the slightest influence on your behavior that could make you a little bit tend have a tendency towards drinking alcoholism. You're still a free agent. You still have the ability to choose. And that's at the heart of this whole debate with, does God make someone gay? Are you born gay? There's no evidence to show this. And in fact, some of the evidence is outright awful. We'll have to dive into that one day on the show as well. Sounds good to me. Okay, so I want to get into a couple more questions here, Thomas. Thomas Schmier is a marriage and family therapist for those who are just joining us. So the next question, we talked about male relationships, father relationships. Kaylee wrote in, how does a toxic mother affect your life outside of your family? Yeah, and I, I thought, Kayla, if this is you, you probably could tell us. And it's all probably valid, whatever you're seeing outside, but you can have difficulty making friendships difficulty trusting. You can have acting out behaviors. Uh, you can get into partying or uh, sexual relationships that are sexual relationships, <laughs> promiscuity, things like that. Uh, lot, lots of problems when you have a toxic mother. And so mothers are important. Fathers are important. And uh, the wounds can be great. The wounds can, can be great. And it's so many children would love for their mothers or fathers or both to Go see a therapist, if not visit a priest for some spiritual guidance. So what would you recommend for our people, like Kayla's asking this question, for people who are experiencing that, they need to heal from these relationships? Mostly, well, if she's still young, uh, I'm usually not into the whole emancipation from your parents. But if there's something very extreme and it's legitimate... I mean, you're not going to be at peace until you get out of that toxic environment. And, and, but I wouldn't just emancipate yourself. I would, I would um, find some loving and affirming uh, parents. And not that are validating your bad behavior, you, you know, but the idea is some that have their heads on straight and uh, spend more time with, with parents so you, that love you. Right. So spend time maybe with a set of friends, family members who are healthy. Look for healthy environments. I think this is a good answer. When you're living in an unhealthy environment, where do you see a healthy environment? Where can you go to have that healthy influence, that healthy model modeled out to you? What a good relationship would look like. Exactly. And if you can't get out of the situation, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. You just, uh, as they say, suck it up. 
hold on, hold your breath right. uh, for years, get out and get the healing you need, whether it's through therapy or, or whatever. And I'm really going to recommend if you're an adult, young adult, whatever it might be, looking at talking to a Catholic therapist is very, very helpful. And I know a lot of people go, well, this person needs to be fixed. This person does need to be fixed. But the question is, how does it in infect me outside of my family is what this girl's asking. Yeah. So the question is, well, let's start to maybe see, like you said, how is it infected? impacting you and then that's where catholic therapists could work with you directly so check out catholictherapist.com to dive into some of the solutions here another question that was asked by mike is how do you desexualize some of the unmet emotional needs that are out there yes this is a sophisticated listener here uh, because a lot of people think the problem is lust Hmm. and uh, traditionally we thought of it as lust but what we're learning is it's not the sexual desire that's the problem it's some unmet emotional need that's a very legitimate need right. that's con- somehow gotten uh, sexualized. And so sometimes there's a need for approval. That's a huge one. So m- let's say if it's a, ma- a male, motherly approval, and you're, getting, you're seeking motherly approval, but you're seeking it in a sexual relationship, mm-hmm. uh, for example. So what you need to do you can't do it on your own. You have to, it's, you need some of the more advanced uh, psychotherapy techniques because at the core of your brain, you have, you know, really the, you could say the fight or flight part of your brain. And then right next to the core is the reward system. And the reward system is driving the behavior and it doesn't listen to reason. And so when you have this deep lack of, uh, let's say, affirmation, from your childhood, uh, you're seeking that reward, that legitimate reward, and nothing will stop you and you do it in the in wrong ways. What happens is somehow it got coupled that to, to engage in illicit sexual behavior got coupled along with getting that approval from a woman. And what we need to do is separate it, separate it. And we can do that with modern techniques if the person knows how to do these things. Mm-hmm. And so you'd recommend a Catholic therapist at Catholic this point? Catholic therapist. Um, for me, I wouldn't even care if they weren't Catholic as long as they know how to do this, but they at least have to agree that this is a problem behavior. Right. right. And I think that this is where it's helpful, though, because it, a Catholic therapist is usually going to come from a world view that respects your faith, but also mm-hmm. respects the importance of chastity in your life. Right. And so I think exactly. that for me, that's something that I really stand by when talking about looking for a Catholic therapist, if you can find one in your area. Let's talk about this from the perspective of women, though. Often, especially high school, young adult women will engage in sexual intimacy out of a desire to feel loved, to be loved. And this could be problems having to do with their parents or it's just they really want to feel loved. And then the next day they have this great remorse because they didn't want the sex. They wanted love and affirmation. Right. And, And then on top of that, they it's a sign that they're neglected right? because parents who are doing their job, they're watching their child. They're not letting their child get into situations where they could even do these things. And so you see the neglect is there already. So of course they're seeking love. And if you can't get it in the right place, you're going to look for it in the wrong place. So techniques for maybe a young adult or even mm-hmm. an adult who's experiencing this, they're looking for affirmation, sexual intimacy, whatever it might be. What can they do to try to dig deeper to figure out what is my unmet need that I'm searching out? Yeah. Well, again, I, I don't recommend doing a whole lot by yourself. Yeah. Would you uh, recommend journaling? Uh, journaling would be good. Journaling would be good. But otherwise, you know, get to a therapist because 
because you can't love yourself. Like that's that's the thing is I know that statement was not completely true, but we need to receive the we're built to need the love of our parents. So you can journey yourself till your hands go raw, but you do need someone to love you. You have a legitimate need. So going to a therapist would be a great way to uh, receive some of that love. And like you said, a Catholic therapist. Coming up later on the show, we're going to be answering questions about how can single people benefit from counseling? And also, how can counseling really help in preparing someone for a healthy relationship down the road? We'll also be answering questions about friendship as well. You're listening to Trending with Timory. I want to touch here, you know, the themes coming out, Thomas, as you're here with us, as we're talking about these different questions that people have sent in, affirmation, parental relationships. I hope anyone who's listening, who's a parent or who wants to be a parent or one day will be, Mm -hmm. is really taking seriously how parents parent really influences the mental, psychological development, happiness, joy, and ability to engage in relationships down the road. We look at things in, as a uh, family system. So the it's not just the way they parent. How about the relationship between the parents? Mm. That, ha- that spousal relationship has to be first and primary. And so you think that just because you don't get along with your spouse, that that has nothing to do with your parenting and the kids should just turn out just fine. No, they are greatly impacted by the anxiety in your marriage that's not being addressed properly. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. You're listening to Trending with Timory. You can find my guest today at healingandpeace.com. Healing and Peace is a synergy of therapy and Catholicism coming together, family therapy, couples therapy, you name it. Thomas Schmier, my guest today, is doing incredible work down in San Diego, along with many other therapists who really want to help bring this free action and joy back into people's lives. So thank you for what you're doing. You're welcome. We are taking a number of questions that you guys have sent in. In fact, this next question comes from a newer dating website called Catholic Chemistry. If you've not checked it out, friends of mine started it uh, based out of San Diego, but I know it is a quickly growing community trying to really get down to the roots of a strong Catholic identity and finding someone who might be a potential spouse. So check out Catholic Chemistry. The question coming from Catholic Chemistry is how can singles benefit from counseling? First of all, if you're going to go to counseling, I think you shouldn't just go to any counselor. Uh, For a single, I think it's important to find a counselor or therapist who's passionate about chastity. Because you really, as Catholics, as Christians, we're called not just to be like, oh yeah, chastity, that's an important thing, but we really should be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And part of the the foundational problems that are corrupting in our culture has to do with uh, not honoring chastity and having a proper view of it. Into that, I'll just make the argument. Even if you're not faith-based, you want a age who, therapist who promotes chastity because yeah. sexual addictions, pregnancy outside of marriage, sexually transmitted diseases, I could go on and on on the list. If these things are plaguing your life and they're not going checked, a whole lot more can go wrong. And in fact, not just physical health, but mental health. That's right. And you want a therapist who has his or her head on straight so that, you know, you're really getting good guidance. Someone who 
has dated effectively, ideally, and had a chaste uh, courtship and who has a happy marriage as much as you can tell it's kind of hard to tell I mean, this is kind of yeah. hard to find out I, from your therapist yeah. but yeah and yeah. i think this is where i come back to catholictherapist.com these therapists have been vetted mm-hmm. uh, they come under good recommendation even if it's a little bit of a travel to get to them based on your area i'd strongly recommend yeah. it so how can they benefit from this counseling therapy can help you increase your purity of heart if you have purity issues it can help improve your level of emotional availability, which you can't really have much of a relationship if you aren't emotionally available. Uh, it can help you to set reasonably high standards. And to, to me, this is a huge thing that I'm passionate reasonably about. Reasonably high standards. Reasonably, <laughs> reasonably high. Yeah. Some people avoid relationship right. by setting standards that are unreasonable. Right. But also what about boundaries? Learning maybe, you know, I think we live in a culture that, that really lacks emotional and physical boundaries. Yes. And... And so it can, we call it in the therapy world, we call it codependency or enabling behavior. Mm. So we re, really, a therapy can help you to set those healthy boundaries. And that, and that has, that's right there in line with setting high standards, reasonably high standards. Excellent. Now, the second half of this question from Catholic Chemistry is how can counseling help singles prepare to enter healthy relationships? I think this is kind of the same answer yeah. here. Any mm-hmm. further insights? It can help you explore to see why you might have low standards, Mm. to see why you may be engaged in serious sin, like smoking, alcohol abuse, gluttony, sexual sin. And you really want to take care of those things before you get married, if possible. Um, And it also makes you a a better candidate. (laughs) You'll attract more people, more attention from people who have high standards, too. Excellent. We have another question coming up on friendship, but can you tell listeners a little bit more about where people can learn about Healing and Peace Ministries? Yes, they can check out healingandpeace.com and then they can check out my blog at healingandpeace.com slash blog. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you write on. I'll write, I have an Ask the Therapist, Ask the Catholic Therapist column. So anyone who has any questions can submit them and then I can write answers on those. And then also I write about affirmation, chastity, uh, different questions. I have a master's degree in moral theology, so if anyone wants to know about that kind of thing, I can write about that too. Excellent time between the two schools of education here. So be sure to check out him at healingandpeace.com. Last question here. How do I work on developing better friendships and overcome my emotional brokenness? So this question from John is excellent because I see this as a trend. So many people have a hard time both developing, but then maintaining friendships. Yes. And if there's brokenness, uh, then again, I hate to keep going back to it, but I really think therapy or finding someone who is affirmed and affirming according to how I more or less defined it. Healthy relationships. Right. Because what happens in therapy is, Maybe the therapist is the first person you learn to trust in your life. Mm. And so you start sharing and opening up and being vulnerable with the therapist. And then you see, oh, that was okay. That was, I actually like that. And then from there you get strengthened because the therapist is pouring in, you could say, his or her caring and concern and, and if not love, if you will. And so you receive that and then you feel strengthened and then you just naturally go out into the world and you start uh, probably affirming others, but also being emotionally vulnerable with others, certain others who are trustworthy. So you become a better judge of character 
And then you learn who can I trust, who can I not trust. And you find the ones who you probably can trust and you start opening up. Excellent. So let's say, so that's one solution is maybe there's something that needs to be healed in you. Mm-hmm. What are some tactics for developing friendships for your average person? Because this can be yeah. really hard, even just psychologically for a healthy individual at times. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I think there needs to be more research on it. Be- uh, Dr. John Gottman noticed that someone wrote a book teaching kids how to make friends, but didn't do research. Mm-hmm. And then he went and did Dr. Gottman did research and found that kids make friends in a completely different way than what the book was saying. So, so I don't want to give people faulty advice here how to make friends, but it's not always, hi, my name is Thomas Schmier. What is yours? <laughs> it is pl- a pleasure to meet you. That's not how people make friends. Right. It's more spontaneous, kind of being in their orbit and showing interest and being kind and attentive and Having similarities, similar experiences. That's right. Yeah. And we're all human, so we all feel something. I like that. That's sharing an experience. And I think even sometimes you have to have interests to be interesting. So if you're not interested in anything, if you're just, you know, kind of like allowing yourself to maybe be a little miserable, maybe you're someone, we were talking about singles, if you're just living that single life and you're frustrated with where you're at, maybe all you're doing is working, you want to meet someone, well, you have to have things that you're passionate about and interested in that will allow you to meet other people and even be open to them sometimes. I'm 100% on board with that. I'm going to say and. Uh, Some people are one-track minds. So, for example, with us on Catholic Radio, if we're only talking about Catholicism and only talking (laughs) about pro-life matters and we're only, we're boring, (laughs) we're not interesting. So it's good to have a breadth of interest too. Right. Um, But I don't think someone should be... Uh, doing it because they feel that they're not lovable or people won't like them or be their friend. Uh, it's a good thing for you to do anyway. And then it happens, you, you know, it's a little easier to connect with people if you do that. How can we simplify making friends? Simplify making friends. It's kind of somewhat easy, right place, right time. And, um, but you really want to have the moral standards, though. So that means opportunity. Opportunity. And I think that that, that's what's hard. I'm going to push back. And I ask this yeah. question. Yeah. It was a pointed question. I'm guilty of that there. But I asked that because I think part of the problem with this friendship question that came in is so many people are so busy, but they're busy with work. They're busy with chores. Now, chores are Mm -hmm. things we have to get things done Mm -hmm. around our house. But how can we live a simpler life, be less obsessed with work that allows us to spend time with friends and family to maybe go out and, you know, for me, take that dance class or whatever it might be. Exactly. And even, you know, myself, I've been saying, oh, where's a Catholic man who has similar interests to me? And and I ran track and cross country on scholarship in college. And I find out there's this guy, I haven't necessarily met him yet, but he's a solid Catholic in San Diego named Paul Greer, who I know about, who doesn't know that I know about him. <laughs> it's creepy I'm talking, he's It's, right it's creepy to, to everyone right now. <laughs> uh, but he is a star miler from, from San Diego who has been in the European track circuit. Who, who leads a Curcio ministry, who believes in chastity. And so I see all these things. So it's like, hey, you know, maybe I can be at, it's not too hard to end up at the same place at the same time. No, and I'm going to laugh <laughs> so hard here because that almost sounds creepy. It does. But at the same time, it maybe you get this, and I've got this, where you mm-hmm. know someone or maybe you've seen them from afar, you've heard about them. Man, you think, I just think I would really like to be that person's friend. Yeah. I've actually had that times where people have reached out and said, I would love to be your friend. 
and it's not creepy, although it sounds creepy, sounds their creepy. tactics. But I mean, come on, any person who's ever asked someone yeah. out or any girl who's tried to flirt with someone, you're trying to be in the right place yeah. at the right time. Right. It, it's how we make connections. Exactly. And you don't do it from a needy place. I am, I'm completely satisfied in my marriage <laughs> alone and then also in myself and my spiritual life. Eh, maybe he and I won't hit it off. Maybe we'll never meet each other. That's okay. But right. we're talking about how to put yourself in the situation. Right. And, and there's there's ways to do it. If good, and I'm talking about looking for uh, someone with good morals and um, something you have in common. And for me, I like it when we have our Catholic faith in common. I think that's so important. I said this earlier in the show. Saints travel in packs. You look around, and this saint was friends with that saint. You know, I think of Saint Polycarp, Saint Irenaeus, Saint John. They all had this connection of knowing each other. We need to work on developing better friendships. So if you enjoyed the show today, please be sure to go to radiotrending.com. You can learn more there about my guest, Thomas Schmier. Also check out his website at healingandpeace.com. And if you liked what you heard today, head over to radiotrending.com. Send us a message. Maybe let us know topics that you might like to hear discussed here on Trending. You guys have a blessed week and keep listening to shows. This has been Trending with Timory. To book her to speak or learn more about her guests, visit radiotrending.com. You can listen to more of Trending via the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the iHeartRadio app, where you can share your favorite episodes. 